Amen. His grace is amazing. We uh, tend to overuse that word, amazing. Have a good meal. Man, that was amazing. Have a good time. Man, that was amazing. Or, I mean, you just have a good conversation, read a good book, or see a good uh, movie. That was amazing. But when you really compare it and contrast and you look at uh, how good God is, the things that he's done, the things that he's done in, not only in the past, but what he's doing right now, or what he's doing in the future, that, my friends, is amazing. The God who spoke in the universe, leapt to existence, who does that other than God? That is amazing. When you look up and see the, the stars and how the earth just operates, right? It, it spins and it goes around and who can do that other than God? Now that is amazing. So I'm always good for, um, I'm glad to be able to uh, think about these things and understand how amazing our God is. And it's, it's a good reminder. And it makes us think of, I mean, words matter. It makes us think about how we use words and what they really mean to us as we go on. Um, turn with me in your copy of God's Word. We're in Nehemiah chapter 6 today, Nehemiah 6. Now, I know this is Chicago Bears territory, but I recently read a story about a man named Dennis Bird, who was a defensive player for the New York Jets. Now, the Jets had had their ups and downs, and even at this time, uh, but, but Bird was expected to come in and kind of turn this franchise around. And in November of 1992, the Jets were playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, and Bird was about to sack the quarterback, but he ended up running into one of his teammates and snapped his spinal cord. And as he laid in the hospital paralyzed, he went from dreaming about making it to the Pro Bowl to wondering if he would ever be able to hold his daughter in his arms again. Now, looking at this from a worldly perspective, we would think like, man, this, his, he's never going to reach his potential. It's over for him. Um, and most people would think just, hey, life is over. There's nothing else I could do. All I know is football. That's all I wanted to do. And they would give up at that moment. Uh, however, if we look at this from God's perspective, uh, Bird was capable of much more than sacking quarterbacks and playing football. As a follower of Christ, Dennis Bird understood uh, who God is. He appreciated what God had done. And he unashamedly told anybody that would listen that Christ was his source of comfort in this particular tragedy. Now, the doctors told Bird that he would probably not ever walk again, uh, but God had different plans. On the opening day of the 1993 football season, now, this is less than a year than his spinal cord injury. Dennis Bird was able to walk into the middle of the Meadowland Stadium uh, while 75,000 people cheered him on. He came out and he was the honorary coin flipper for that particular game, and he defied all the odds. He was able to walk again despite what the doctors said. Now, the miracle here is not that he was able to walk again after breaking 
his neck, severing his spine. No, the miracle here is that um, this injury that destroyed his career did not destroy his life. The miracle here is what God was able to do because of the faith of this man and him trusting that even though I don't know what's about to happen, I don't know what my life is going to look like, but I trust the God of the universe. That, brothers and sisters, is the miracle. And we should not underestimate the power of God. We should not underestimate the power of God. And Nehemiah, I want you to remember that he went to King Artaxerxes, he's the king over Persia, and uh, he told the king that his hometown had been destroyed and he was allowed to go back to Jerusalem in order to rebuild the walls and be able to fortify the city. And he went, he inspected the walls, he planned and strategized a building program that was to take place. He went and recruited men and women to work on constructing the wall by motivating him with motivating them with their vision. And even though they continued to face opposition after opposition, they, they faced it both internally and externally, but they continued to push through. They, they continued to be aligned with God's mission and understand what they were there to do. And they wanted to accomplish the goal that they had in front of them. And here we get to the end of them building the wall. Here in chapter 6 of Nehemiah, we'll start in verse 15. Here God's word reads, so the wall was finished on the 20th, 25th day of the month of Elul and 50, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah and son of Uriah and the son of Jehoshanan and taken uh, the daughter of Meshulam and son of Berechiah, his wife. Also, they spoke of the good deeds in my presence and the reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, thank you again for our opportunity to be here today to open up your word, to hear you speak to us directly. Help us to focus our attention on what you would have us to see here today. Uh, we would understand what you have done for your people in the past and what it means for us today, and, and we would be able to take that with us, that we would be able to have the strength that you give, have the trust that you give, and to be able to follow you, to accomplish the goals, to be, be able to build the kingdom. And we look forward to the day of your son's return. Father, uh, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. Give me the words to say and how to say them. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we have miles and miles of wall that was there to fortify the city. There was complete rubble. It was all the way down. There was no defenses for the city. 
And here Nehemiah comes, he recruits people to come in to rebuild those walls so that they can be secure within the city. Nehemiah here says that even though there was a lot of work to do, it was done in 52 days. 52. Now remember, these guys are not construction workers. There, there were men and women, children. Everybody came to work together on this, and they did the best that they could. And, and remember, even their enemies came and was like, what, who do you think you are? Why do you think this is going to work? Man, a, a fox is going to go up on this wall, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall back down. That's how bad you guys are. Remember this? But no, they come in, and they do the best they can. They're they, uh, ready for an attack, and so they're, they're building the wall and doing things with one hand, and they got a sword in the other hand just in case somebody comes to attack them. But Nehemiah says eh, it took 52 days. This was an incredible short amount of time, especially since it was right in the middle of summer. So you think it's hot here in the summer. Imagine you know, being there in the, the, the dead of the, the summer with the heat and the, the sun beaming on you doing this breakbacking work. Portions of this wall was uncovered in 2008 and it was verified to be a section of Nehemiah's wall by the way that was poorly constructed, showing that it had been done in a hurry. Man, what a, look at that. And we were able to uncover this and like, man, this, is, this doesn't look like all the other, this has gotta be, this gotta be Nehemiah's wall. But it was able to, it was great they were able to find portions of it. It was able to stand so long. And it was only because of God and who he is and how he worked through them. And despite repeated attempts to stop the rebuilding and the renewal of the wall for this city in Jerusalem, the, the project is finally completed successfully. After the attack, after attack, after attack, they were able to finish it. Now, when the enemies heard of this, they, they were just mad. They were upset. They, they, and, and they were also afraid. They were so afraid that they lost confidence because they recognized that the work had been done through the help from our God. What a testimony this is. That they were able to see what was going on. They were able to recognize there's no way by their own strength by their own knowledge, by their own experience for which they had none, are they able to do something like this in the time that they were able to do it? There might be something to this God they talk about. There might be something to this God that they follow. Many of us will be tempted to boast about what we're able to do and accomplish. Imagine some of the kids today helping to rebuild a wall like this, and they go and accomplish it, and they're taking selfies next to it, and look what, I, look what we did, wouldn't we? But it was clear to even their enemies that God is the one in control. He is the one that is helping with the, these matters this is showing that God works through faithful people, but he is still the one that does the work. It was human hands that built the wall, but it was God that gave them the strength. It was God that gave them the safety. Men and women joined God in his mission to accomplish his goals. I like the way Paul talks about this type of thing in Philippians 2 and 12. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obey, so now 
not only as in my presence, but uh, much more in my presence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Man, what a thing for us to remember. Brothers and sisters, don't underestimate what you can accomplish if God has called you. We've got to remember this. It's so easy to get caught up in, in what we can do in our own strength. I, I got this. I'm not going to ask for help, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to toil on my own, and I'm going to figure it out. That's the wrong path. With any and everything that we do today, we need to be on our knees in prayer and be seeking the face of God and asking him to direct our steps I'll speak for myself. I'll leave it up to me. I'm going to mess it up. I don't know about you. You guys are probably better than I am. But if, if I try to do things in my own strength, I'm just going to bang my head against the wall. Any and everything that we're able to accomplish because of who God is. The problem with most of us is that we start stuff, but we don't finish because it gets too hard. We, we get challenged with it. I, I just give up. I can't, I can't do it. Of course you can't. You're not meant to do it on your own. We don't persevere because we try to do things on our own strength instead of keeping our head to the grind and taking our next step in obedience. It's because we can't see the end game. We're like, well, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. I don't know what it's going to look like on the end. But God has called us just to take the next step in obedience. What is the next right step in obedience that you can take today. What does that look like? And then focus your attention on that. And God has got you. God is the one that's got you. You don't have to worry about it. If you're following him through obedience, then he'll make sure that you see what the next step after that. You accomplish this goal? Okay, now here's the next thing to do. And here's the next thing. We need to be thinking about that. This is what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 2 and 8 he goes and says, and um, he asks for a letter for, for, uh, to Asaph when he's talking to the king, and, uh, the, who is king or keeper of the king's forest. He says, that may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for. Why? For the good hand of my God was upon me. Remember, before he does any of these things, he first goes to God and he spends days and days in prayer. And he says, God, give me favor uh, in front of the king so I can do what you've called me to do. And this is him going and asking the king for what he needs go do what God's called him to do. And God, he recognizes that God's hand was upon him. And then Nehemiah 2 and 12, he says, Then I arose at night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. So here he's, he's gotten to the wall. He's expecting everything that's going on. And he, he admits that, hey, this is not my plan. This is not the things that I conjured up in my own head. This is what God has given me through the prayer that I've gone to him for. And this is what he's called me to do here in Jerusalem. Nehemiah 2 and 20 says, And I replied to them, The God of 
heaven will make us prosper. He and we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion or a right to claim in Jerusalem. Again, Nehemiah is recognizing that God is in control and he will make them prosper. He will give them what they need. He would give them everything that they need in order to accomplish the goals that he set forth. Then Nehemiah 4 and 15, when the enemies heard of this, it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan. We returned to the wall, each to his work. When they had uh, gone, gone and tried to stop the work, it was very evident that God was the one at work frustrating the enemy so that they can accomplish the goal that was needed. And then um, Nehemiah 4 and 20, in place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally us there, our God will fight for us. We tend to want to fight our own battles, but Nehemiah knew better. Nehemiah knew he and the, the crew, they had a job to do. And even though they were prepared to fight, if they needed to, he knew that God would be the one that would do the fighting. These are all the things that Nehemiah knew about the character of God, and he had to continuously remind himself. He had to continuously remind others about this along the way. Remember the God we serve. Remember what he's done in the past. Remember what he told us to do, how he told us to do it. This is why us reading scripture on a regular basis in our own lives, do you know it takes 15 to 20 minutes a day to read the entire Bible in a year? That's why we do this together. Is I'm, I'm sure you waste 15 or 20 minutes easily if you would just uh, re renew that time in your life and spend those 15 or 20 minutes. You might have a break. You might be waiting in line. You're waiting you know, for something else to do or whatever it is. Take those minutes and to read through the scripture because that's how you get to know God. That's how you get to know his character. That's how you get to know his promises. You understand his people and what he's done. And you might even see yourself. Like, man, I felt like this before. Man, I've struggled with these things before, but, but here's how Nehemiah handled it. I wonder if I could do that in my life. This is a great reminder for us of, of when we want to follow God, we have to know God. We have to know who he is. And the way that we get to know him is through his word. This is the way he speaks to us. Now, I have to admit on the surface, if you just read to Nehemiah, it's not the most riveting piece of scripture. If you just read through it real quick, and, and like I said, I, I I've read through the Bible numerous times, and I've just read this really quick. I'm trying to get through. But if, if you take some time and you really think about it, let this play out in your mind's eye, you get to really see who God is and what he's done. You get to, to see this picture of what's happening and get to see it play out, and you'll notice that God is a God of small things just as well as the large things. All of it is important to him. Everything. We often want to diminish what it is that we do in this, this life. You, you, you would be, you, uh, be surprised at how much just a, a smile to another person is meaningful. You know, most people don't like us Christians. We walk around and mean mugging just like everybody else. That we're down and out and 
they're talking about the recession that's coming and the wars and we're just down and got our heads down. I'm like, well, you're supposed to be holy and a Christ follower. What's wrong? I mean, you, you know better than I am. But if we really acted like we believe that God is who he says he is, and we understood the promises that in lies in this book, that, that we have more to look forward to, that we have forever and eternity in his presence to look forward to, we should walk around with some happiness. We should be walking around with some joy, even though this world is messed up. We have more to look forward to. That should be driving us. We, we should be set apart. The, the, the scripture says we should be holy, set, afo- set apart, be, be sanctified. And people are like, what's wrong? How come they're always smiling? And don't they know how bad things are? Look at the gas prices alone. And then we get to tell them, well, yeah, I mean, these gas prices hurt my pockets, but I got better things to look forward to. I know that this life, this time is momentary. And there will be a time I won't have to pay gas. I won't have to buy gas anymore. There'll be time I, I, we'll just be with, with our Heavenly Father and we get to, to work and worship and, and sing and do all these things. Can I tell you about who Jesus Christ is? Why I love him so much? Can I tell you what he's done for you? That changes the game. That's who we should be in Christ. As Christians, we should consider things that can only be done because of God's help. When we're we're in the midst of things, we should be able to to say, well, this is what God has done for me. It should be evident. You know, I like to say that my prayers are often too small because I'm thinking about, well, hey, you know, if, if you're not too busy, God, won't you do this little thing? And, and over time, God has just shown up for me, for this church, for, for those of you who are here and online. God has just shown up in miraculous ways. And Ephesians 3 and 20 has become real, not only to me, but hopefully for you as well. Ephesians 3 and 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us is to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Don't miss this. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. I don't know what your dreams look like. I don't know the things that you talk to God about and things that you pray for. But God can do more than that. Far more abundantly than we can ask or think. I don't, I I would have never thought, you know, to pray God to to make all the things that he made, the, 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 the world and the universe and everything that's going on. We never imagined that. We talk about how this this building has been here for 50 years and and man is is put together with buck, buck, uh, uh, gum and, and duct, duct tape. 
and but we're still here. We're still standing. When, when the pipes burst, we're like, I don't know how we're going to get through this, how we're going to be able to pay for it, and then just we're able to. We, we got this crazy refund from one of our utility bills. We were overpay, overpaying one of our utilities, and it's like, well, here's a refund because you overpaid us, and it happened to be in an amount that we needed to, to fix. Who does that? Because God is the one who does exceedingly and abundantly that we can ask or, or think. He is amazing. But when we go to tell somebody about our testimony, it shouldn't be able to be explained away by some ordinary human effort. The world shouldn't be able to say, well, you know, anybody could have done this if as long as you have enough money, you got enough charisma, or you got enough connections, oh, anybody can make that happen. No. We should be able to say, hey, this has happened because this is a work of God. I mean, it came out of nowhere. He made a way out of no way. That's like we used to say in the old church. This is something we just can't explain. It just happened. God took care of it. He's got our back. Man, if you only knew how much I screwed up my own life, you know, if you knew six-year-old or 20-year-old or 25-year-old Vaughn, you would be surprised that <laughs> I would be standing here today. You would think there would be no way that the guy back then would be able to end up uh, being a corporate leader, a pastor, or public speaker, or, or anything. You know, those, there, there will be days that I would go to work and sit in my cubicle and work, and I would come home not having said a word to anybody. Everything was so isolated. I mean, it sounds difficult to do, but I did so without breaking a sweat or a thought. Without speaking to one single solitary soul. But God made a 180 in my own life. And I hope that's true for you as well. Only God can make a 180 like that. Only God can turn people like me and you around. Only God can bring people like us together. Only God can make you love people who are unlovable. Only God can produce true conversion. Only God can convince people that the, the Bible is true. Only God can make sinners love one another. Don't underestimate the power of God. While Satan deployed his tricks and everything with Nehemiah and the, the group, he, Satan tried to use Sanballat and the crew just to instill fear in Israel. And unfortunately, or fortunately, the, the opposite ended up being true. Israel's enemies were the one that were afraid. They were trying to instill fear, but they were the ones that walked out scared. At first, they were filled with pride and self-importance, and it wasn't until they realized how big God is and how we work through his people. The enemies were left quaking in their boots when they realized that God was working. That's how it should be. That's how it should be for us, that we would leave our enemies 
quivering when they realize that we've submitted our lives to God and he is the one that's working through us. They should throw up their hands like, well, there's no hope here. There's nothing else we can do. God is fighting for them. God is the one making this all happen. Let's just give it up. Let's hang it up. Wouldn't that be something (laughs) for our enemies just to turn the other way and like, oh, don't mess with those Christians. Don't mess with those folks at First Baptist Bolingbrook, man. They know know their God. And if we mess with them, it's going to be all bad for us. When God does a mighty work, unbelief trembles. And even though these enemies recognize the power of God, we don't know if they were converted or not. Even though they recognize what was happening and going on, you would think, you would hope that they would fall to their knees in submission. We don't know that that happened. But we do know the problems continue to exist. Even though they were following God, I'm sure it's true for you in your own life. Even though when you submitted your life to Christ, uh, you, you still have problems. Remember, I keep saying, Jesus told us that there will be tribulations. There will be challenges. But he says, I got you. I have overcome the world. Tobiah continues to send his letter writing and campaign to Um, connect with the nobles that are there. If you remember earlier, the nobles, when they started the work on the wall, the nobles were like, I'm not doing that. That's beneath me. I'm not trying to get my hands dirty and work. This is a fool's errand. So Tobiah and crew were able to get to the nobles and they were in connection with them and they listened to him because Tobiah was connected by marriage to, to significant people in Jerusalem. And so Tobiah, he continues to undermine Nehemiah's leadership and prevent God's law from being enforced in Jerusalem. And now Nehemiah has to tend to the hearts of the people and confront the sin in the congregation. They were out to build the wall, and now that it's done, Nehemiah said, there's still work to do. Even though you did the right things for the right reason, your hearts are still impure. Your hearts need correction. In the same way, we as a church are taking our first steps in reformation and revival. But just like them taking their first step, the first step was getting the wall built. But they still had work to do in following God. Brothers and sisters, this is our opportunity here at First Baptist Bowenbrook for us to turn to the Lord and align ourselves with his mission. Our goal is to see a kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And that starts with us being disciples. It starts with us being disciples who make disciples. I gave you guys some homework several weeks ago to make sure that you are being discipled that you have connected with somebody that you can walk with and work with so that you can be discipled, as well as that you are a disciple maker, that you identify somebody in your life that you can walk with and give back to them. I know some of you have taken me up on that, and I appreciate it. Because I can't, it's going to be amazing if each of us take up that mantle and take this very seriously, that we are disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The growth that we'll see in this church is going to be far more 
than we can ever ask or think because we're obedient to what God has called us to do. It starts with us having our heart broken for the city and the people that are in it. It starts with us serving our city so that they will know the name of Jesus. And again, we're already starting to see fruit from this as people are growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a pastor, this is amazing for me to see. I'm so encouraged when people come to me like, guess what I learned this week? Or they walk out like, I never knew that about God. That is amazing. And I want to go tell somebody else. Oh, well, let me tell you about uh, my devotional this week. And as I was in prayer, this is what came up for me. And this is what I realized about my own life. These are amazing things that I'm getting to hear and being very encouraged by. But that is just a start. We may be blessed to see numbers in our worship and continue to grow. But that, again, is only a start. We will start to thrive as a body of believers, but that also is just a start. Our goal and our aim is to continue to run the race to completion. Is continue to do all these things so that we, we can make sure that people know the name of Jesus, that we would look forward to Christ and his return in the moment that he comes and takes us home. That's what we have to look forward to. But even that is not the end. That is just the beginning. That's the beginning for us in eternity with him. When he comes and takes us home and we get to be with him in a new heaven and a new earth, that's what we look forward to. And that's only the start when we get to be, be together for forever and eternity. You, I, don't, I don't care how old you are today. It's just a blip in time in the span of eternity. We have so much more to look forward to. That should be encouraging for you today, that we get to be in eternity to, together with him. That's what we look forward to. So I'm here, if, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you have not submitted your life to him, I encourage you, I beg you, I implore you to, to, to consider this matter here today. There's more to this life. I would be happy to have that conversation with you, to be able to walk with you as, as we are disciple, being disciples and being disciple makers. And we've got plenty of people here to walk with you on that journey so that you might be able to know him. That's what we're about here. And this is just the start. But don't underestimate the power of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Uh, You are truly amazing. Thank you for all the things that you've done. And a matter of fact, that we were able to, to open up your scripture and see how you've worked through your people What an encouragement that is for us today. Help us to leave here praying bigger prayers, trusting you with everything that we have within our being, that we walk on faith and not by sight because of the God that you are. Help us to be bold and courageous in everything that we would do in our lives, 
not for our own well-being, but for your glory and the good of your people. Help us to be who you call us to be. Do the things that you've called us to do so that we might be able to grow, thrive, and serve together. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.